And so they'll put all that time and effort and energy. And when the deal's done, they got their check and it's over. And then they got to start over. In general, I'm against that standard. If I have to start over with my earnings, I can't participate. So if I can't build a system out of it, I'm not going to do it. This video is brought to you by Flipster, the nation's largest property database, including houses on the MLS and off-market leads like pre-foreclosures and vacant homes. To find your next wholesale or fix and flip deal, start your free trial today at joinflipster.com. Chris, dude, what's up, brother? Thank you for sitting down. I finally got you on my channel. This Come is on, we amazing. Got finally got you stateside again, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's hard when I'm in Puerto Rico, but yeah. uh, I've known you for a long time. We were friends when I lived in Utah. We stayed yeah. in touch and been able to do business together a little bit. And it's just been amazing for me to be a little bit a part of your journey and to watch your journey. A uh, big fan of your YouTube channel, guys. If you're not, be sure to subscribe. We'll put the link below. Um, Chris, but you are a machine when it comes to putting out content relevant to the market today. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about this because as you know, most of the audience right now that'll be watching this on my channel are in the in the quick cash flip business. Yep. So it's wholesaling, fix and flip. Primarily, that's what we talk about here. What's great about that is you get these infusions of cash that allow you to then do things. Nothing's better than a padded bank account. Uh, but there are some limitations to flipping. I talk about it openly on my channel. You know, I tell people, as soon as you do a deal, you're out of business because it's transactional. Yes. You got to go do another deal, get yeah. some more cash. Hopefully you can build systems around that, but you are really big on cash flow. Yes. And you're really big on creating these opportunities where that same deal can just continue to make you money yep. rather it's than one time whole, make you that money. That whole residual component. How does this thing keep moving forward? And the last thing I ever wanted to do was just wake up 10 years later and say, wow, I did a thousand flips. I made great money along the way. What's your portfolio today? Oh, none. Yeah. Right. I don't have those assets. I got to tell you, Chris, I have, you know, you never look in the rearview mirror in this business, but I look back to when I was first started in Metro Detroit wholesaling houses. Oh, that's and now rough, what those that's houses rough. are worth. Right. Yeah. That's the worst thing to do is look back and say, man, what if I would have kept, you know, one out of 10 of those flips? But it's not right. the worst thing. I actually think it's the best thing. I think it's actually, I live every day asking myself, based on the choices I'm making today, what will I, what will I regret in the future? And, um, I think for me, that's because it's like my, my greatest fear is regret. Like I, I hate the idea of thinking that I'm going to wake up down the road and arrive late with recognition that I should have, could have done something different. And so I don't know. I think I've missed out on, on a lot of like quick cash deals at times because I've been playing such a long game, right? It all worked out for me. I'm like, you know, but, but let's talk about this because you're still very big on holding on to some of these assets, yeah. right? Now, uh, it doesn't have to be forever. Yeah. And I see you still turn some of these assets, yeah. but you're monetizing in a way that sometimes can be 10 X if yeah. you flip it today, right? Yeah. Especially some of your lease options yeah. where you end up still selling that property. It, you know, it's so, it, I think Jerry, a lot of people, they get stuck in this debate. Is it, is it buy and hold or is it flip? And it, it, listen, I, I am assuming I have full permission to be completely transparent Please. with all the ways that I really feel. We have an editor, so. Okay, great. So <laughs> you can edit out this next part. Um, I think that my biggest mistake looking back, speaking of regrets, is that I thought it was one or the other. Okay. And for me, I'm an everything guy now. Like if I look at my asset base today, I have a machine that has done over 6,000 single family homes. This last week, we acquired 20 homes. Like we are- a week. 
Yeah, in a week. We're in major acquisition mode because right now, what are we seeing? The properties are going up like exponentially. Mm-hmm. And because we're missing 5 million homes in the market, and I think some of that number is fake, right? I think that there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's people that need a home and there's people that want a home. Um, you know, but there's at least two or three million real numbers there. And so if you look at it, it's like, okay, we are not going to experience a downturn until we eat up that inventory. And yet at the exact same time, we can experience a slowdown, but no crash until we actually eat up that inventory. So we are so historically behind at a rate we've never been at before. We haven't been able to catch up still since 2008. If we keep building and building and building at the most aggressive rate, six or seven, for six or seven years. So what does that supply demand issue do? Two times a year, you're going to experience kind of a slowdown. It's like, oh, now it takes two weeks to get under contract. Mm -hmm. It's not always all cash offers, but really for the next five, six years, I think we're going to experience record appreciation. Think about this. In the 70s, the average income was $10,000. The average house was $30,000. Now that house is worth $300,000. There was a quantum leap when hyperinflation hit in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Where are we sitting right now? We're sitting not at hyperinflation, but we're sitting at really high inflation. We're sitting at eight and a half percent. We are missing all of these homes. I personally think that between that inflation and what's happened to the price in real estate, I think we're going to see a strong reevaluation in real estate. The national medium will go well over a half a million. And you better believe that I'm going to cash in on every, every bit of that. But the reason why I'm not going to argue on when to hold or when to flip is sure. Like I bought a house a year ago and I'm making 70, 80,000 on each one of them, just renting them out. Yeah. Right. And if you have hundreds of those, that works out pretty good. It's good math. But for me, like if someone says, well, I want cash, this is the part that you might want to edit out. I think that real estate people can sometimes be really short-sighted because all they're thinking is that real estate is the only vehicle. You know, last month I negotiated ownership in over 20 companies. Companies give me way more cash flow than real estate. estate. And what I like about it is if you set up the business, right, or take a really dumb idea like a franchise, everyone can wrap their head around that, right? You got a 91% success rate with a franchise. If I flip a deal and I make a hundred grand, it's a good feeling. It's a good hit, but it's over. Now I got to do it again. But if I acquire a company that is making $300,000 a year with processes and systems in place already, and my standard is set as absentee owner inside of four or five months, well, that's a machine that keeps working for me. So if I were to be really heavy in the flipping game, I would have to set up a machine where it would have to run all day long because I want to reclaim my time. My, my, my biggest beef in general is not with flipping. It's with the math of it's more of a job than a passive component. So the moment you stop doing the job, you stop getting paid. You do it at a brilliant high level with machines and systems. But a lot of people here, they're the worker. And so they'll put all that time and effort and energy. And when the deal's done, they got their check and it's over. And then they got to start over in general. I'm against that standard. If I have to start over with my earnings, I can't participate. So if I can't build a system out of it, I'm not going to do it. So let me tell you, let me ask you something that's really been changing my mindset around real estate. Cause I've been a flipping guy for so long, but I'm looking now at, you know, 20% of sales are from investors. Some of this wall street, big money. Um, I'm seeing the national home median price go up and up and up. I'm seeing a lot of people be priced out of home ownership. And I have this fear that in 10 years from now, uh, owning a home will be kind of a hard thing to do for a lot of people. Yeah. And so owning real estate will be a kind of a special thing. I mean, that's kind of the rest of the world. Not a lot of people own real estate. It's true. Is this something where like buying and owning and holding on to real estate might be 
a really, really smart decision 10 years from now when it becomes even more difficult yeah. to own real estate. So two things on that. One is I think we're going to experience a great re- great reevaluation. There's going to have to be a reset, a reset, right? When we finally run out of inventory and all the idiots are still building homes that we don't need, there's going to be a collapse. And that'll be a good thing. Which, which will happen because... You can't, always- have, you can't have a $700,000 average price home for yeah. the average person. They can't, even with inflation and the, the value of their dollars going down, but the opposite's happening in real estate. Like, look at what happens when the Fed just raised points too, right? Now we're go now, now all of a sudden that those mortgages are a little higher. Some that could qualify for 300 now can only qualify for 250. That's pushing them in the wrong direction. We are moving towards an eventual reset, which means anyone I believe who's participating in real estate heavily for the next five or seven years is going to get in on some of that, like a heat wave of, of massive profit. And then hopefully you've got a good strategy where you're liquid enough, where when the dive happens and it'll happen overnight, it won't happen slowly. It never does. It's just build, 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 boom. And we have a problem. And then we're going to sit down there and that's now the best time to buy real estate for the second go around. And so, um, are you preparing for that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I do that because I stay largely under the median, what the median should be, not what the, what, not what the growing median is because listen, over the last 65 years, the real estate market on average appreciates 4.65%. That's a 65-year average. I don't have any reason to believe, even with as crazy of things like inflation or with um, you know, some of the other market forces or what's happening with Putin and Russia and, and Ukraine, I don't think necessarily that um, that's going to change that 4.65% when everything's adjusted, which means I'm tracking every year, what would a 4.65% increase be? Not 12%, not 18%. Yeah. And when we have a reevaluation, my gut is that we are going to drop well below what it should have been. And then it'll come back to what that is. And we're going to experience some back level to of the four and a half regu- where what would be normal. Yes. Adjusted for inflation. So the number is going to be considerably higher because inflation's taking a toll on us right so now. So are you saying that when you evaluate your real estate deals, you're looking at, okay, it's going to go up here because we have this hyperinflation, but yes. when the reset happens, where am I going to land? Yes. And so, that's how I evaluate. Yeah. So, so put it, put it this way. Right now, pre-pandemic, our median was kind of knocking on the door of 300,000. It was more like 260, 270. Not broke four. Yeah. Well, so four, 4.65% should have bumped it up another 10 grand, 4.65%, another 12 grand, 4.65%, another 14 grand. That should put the median right just barely over three, not four. So, so you're so, saying that's where it'll reset. That's what, yes. Adjusted for inflation though. Cause Adjusted for inflation might make that number. Our four today could end up becoming seven or eight. And when we reset, it won't reset to the 350. It might reset to five or 450 because the value of the dollar has changed. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen that dollar shift for 50 years. Like this is people don't know how to wrap their head around inflation because they're not losing dollars. They're just losing the value of those dollars. And then because of the supply chain problems we have, those value, the dollars aren't equal because in certain sectors like wheat and wood and petroleum and natural gas, it's horrible, right? But, but Chris, is your long play though, when let's say that your gut is telling you when the reset happens, this is worth 350, yeah. you know, I bought in at 250 or whatever, yeah. but when it goes to seven, I'm cashing out or I'm going to write it back down to where it should be and just well, keep going long-term. When I'm going to cash out is largely dependent on when inventory starts running scarce. When we're under 500,000 missing homes that there's demand for, that's when you're going to see me shift and change my strategy, exit certain markets, enter other markets. And I'll be buying through the whole process. But when the reset occurs, I'm going to be so fat with cash. And my whole people, we are going to be ready. And we're going to go in for, I believe, what could end up feeling like 
post-Great Depression real estate. When people don't have money and fear and uh, is at an all-time high and confidence is an all-time low, just like we saw in 2008 during the Great Recession, people thought that it was a horrible time to buy real estate. Turns out it was the best. I mean, I was right there in Phoenix buying up those homes that were selling brand new for 350. I was buying them for 100, 120 grand. Me too. And, yeah. and I helped my investors make over $100 million. You know what my number one regret was? What? I didn't go heavier. Buy more. No, I didn't buy more. So I'm playing the game very, very strategic and different right now, which is why we're ramping up. We're going hard, but we're being really, really careful with these numbers because it's yeah. really tempting to get in on some of the bigger numbers and you can make tons of money there. I think we have time for it, right? Development's exciting. There's all sorts of exciting projects. My fear is what happens um, when you get caught and you, and you didn't have a strategy to know when to pull out with real estate, with the right math, that's fairly predictable stock market. No way. Yeah. Right. You have no little control over it. Well, that's really interesting. I love that your analysis is not heavy speculative where you just keep thinking things are going to go and go and go that you're real about how it can't just keep doing this forever. And there has to be a reset. It's just science says once inventory, once this kind of levels out, we're going to see a reset Yeah, and other factors, maybe interest rates. Well, are you letting interest rates slow you down or stop you? How are you managing that right now? Dude, five, five and a half percent is great. Six and a half would be great. Seven and a half percent, great. Eight, once we get over 8%, I start having to adjust the plan because right now we're in a cash flow crunch. If you're going to do a buy and hold, we, we basically had a year where prices were going up. Now we have mortgages going up. Rents haven't scaled in just the last 30 days. All rents are rapidly re-evaluating with the increased mortgage. So the Fed made some assumptions. They actually planned and they told us that we were going to have eight bumps over the next two years. And immediately, mortgage rates increased 2%, not because the Fed's increased them. It's because all of the banks basically assumed that was going to happen. And now the Fed is starting to see how that's impacting the economy. They're looking at inflation like, I don't think we need these bumps like we thought we did. So I don't know if we're even going to see a full expression of that. But listen, I mean, for me, yeah, you're right. Rates are up high. If you're a primary residence buyer, that's important. But if you're an investor, this is math. It's it's always about the math. Yeah. Now, in truth, my cash on cash is, depending on what kind of market I'm in, have ranged from 5 to 12%. And right now they're at like 1% to 5%. And over the next year, you're going to see that even itself back out. But even that makes investors, new investors, skittish. Not me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, like that is, those are all the positive indicators we're looking for, for yeah. continued price increases that we are, that we want to be a part of. So Chris, uh, one big question I wanted to ask you, and then we'll, I want to talk about your charity and then we'll wrap up this video. But um, somebody listening right now, who's, we have a lot of new investors yeah. working on their first deal yeah. that watch the channel. Uh, that's why wholesaling is great. It's a good gateway to get into real estate. What would you tell somebody 2022, they're working on their first deal. They're thinking about, okay, you know, I don't even know what direction I want to go in real estate. You know, how do, what would you tell them to take that leap of faith, take that action and, and get into the game? First of all, real estate is the smartest asset class to be in right now. Your timing is so incredibly perfect and you need to be playing as hard as you can right now because the next five or seven years, you're going to feel lucky because you're going to have ease of growth gains like not in any other slow or normal market. When that market reevaluates, I think we're gonna get in on some of the juiciest foreclosures. There's gonna be a glut of them in the market and you're gonna get your second opportunity to buy them up at crazy, crazy prices. So 
Um, real estate probably for the next 15 years is going to be, I think, one of the most important asset classes for you to be in. You, you need to find a mentor to make sure on your first or second deal you're not doing it stupid. You know, have a coach, someone watching your six, someone that's looking at your numbers. You know, sometimes people get so excited to be in real estate that they think that just buying a house means you're in the game. Owning real estate isn't the goal. <laughs> Owning profitable real estate with a strategy that's working is the goal. Yeah. So I just say, make sure that you're being smart about it and double down. Go hard or go faster. In fact, if you've been watching Jerry for a while and you've been intentioning the last six to eight months, no, it's just a hard market. It's hard to find good deals, but I'm, I'm, I'm in it. You're not doing enough. You're not playing hard enough. You don't have all the tools and resources you need. You got to check out Jerry and the other resources that are out there to get the help that you need so that you can play it as serious as we are playing the game right now. So hundred percent be in the game, but don't, don't go it alone if you don't know what you're doing. And I would say, guys, uh, if you're not, be sure to watch Chris's channel. One of the things I love about your channel, Chris, is uh, you do way more of this than I do, but you dive into the mindset. Yeah. Uh, and I know you believe this. I believe this as well. Uh, real estate is more mindset than money or numbers or anything else. And so you talk a lot about how to think in a way that's going to allow you to be successful. Yeah. And when you fix the mental game, yeah. it kind of opens up the doors, doesn't it? Especially if you're an employee versus even an entrepreneur, an employee is bred with the mindset that you're worth a certain amount of money a year and you're worth a four to 6% raise a year. And you live frankly in crazy amounts of fear and scarcity because you, you're living on such a tight budget. I don't care whether you make $200,000 a year or $50,000 a year, that's a frame of mind. Guys like Jerry and I, we can hustle for 90 days and deposit a million dollars in our bank account. So we don't have to live in that level of scarcity because we have developed ourselves into entrepreneurs that can produce. But that production, that is a different mindset, which means you have to learn how to think different. It's not just, oh, I need to think bigger and think more abundant. Strategically, to play the game at a more intelligent level, I think that my number one asset is not what I know is how I feel. And so controlling my feelings is actually the most important part of winning in any game of business and finance that I play. And with that, just elevate your standards, right? Um, make sure that if you're not getting the proper mindset training that, listen, there's plenty of events out there. There's Tony Robbins, my events. There's all sorts of things out there. You want to surround yourself with people that think differently. And you also want to make sure you're not taking advice from people that aren't getting what you want. Cause that's the other mistake of employees is like, well, my family said this, my parents said this, my siblings, my friend, my spouse said this. I'm like, with all due respect, none of those people are qualified to give you financial advice unless you're just trying to get what they got. Yeah. And you're watching Jerry because you know that you need to cut above and you need to think different. So keep consuming content like this and get yourself then in the physical airspace with people like that because uh, and I'll just drop this masterminds are, are, I think one of the best places to cultivate this because it's like, well, what does it mean to get a mentor? This person's so successful. Do I have to write like a quarter million dollar check that I don't have to like get one-on-one -on -one help? It doesn't always, first of all, cost like, you know, that much money, but a mastermind I think is another great approach to mentorship because there's a lot of masterminds out there. Where you pay 10 or $25,000. I get it. It's most of us aren't used to investing in ourselves, but when you show up in those venues, it's interesting. I used to join them because I'm looking for deal flow. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to work deals. We're going to do deals. You got to make money. The, big, the biggest benefit that I got from being in a mastermind was being around people whose mindsets I wanted to adopt. Yeah. And I saw them being successful and happy, or I learned from their mistakes, or I learned what was cutting edge or what, 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 what was I rem working. I remember having a conversation with you in, in one of the masterminds you're a part of. That's a several hundred thousand dollar mastermind. Yeah. And I remember asking you like, hey, what's that value like? And you said to me, you said, Jerry, I'm in a room with people that are playing at such a high level yeah. that just being with these people 
and, and, and feeling this energy has elevated me to a whole new level. Yeah. And I see you playing so big in this game and some of the things you're doing. And let's talk about one of them. I mean, everyone right now knows about the war in the Ukraine and you've decided to take this and really do something huge. Not just, not just a little bit like, hey, let's do something. A million dollars is your goal to raise yeah, right so, now. Yeah, so our foundation kicked in a quarter million as a match yeah. and just said, we we want to raise three quarter million dollars and in two weeks, three weeks, uh, first week of June, we're going to Ukraine and we're going to bring a million dollars of medical supplies. And can people listening, can they contribute? Can they, uh, yeah, can 100%. they help? Yeah, 100%. If you provide the link, then hopefully okay. they can find us, but it's the Chrome Breakthrough Foundation. and We'll put yeah. the link in the description to yeah. do that. Yeah, so part of what's happening there is um, my, my, my father was a refugee out of Second World War with my grandma, and they experienced something horrendous, all right? She experienced her father and sister executed. They were, they were separated. She was shot twice, left for dead. The, when the Russian army came in then, you know, 600,000 people died. They, they had their city destroyed. They lost their country because it became Poland after when previously it was Germany. And, you know, um, my heart's been touched by the 7 million displaced refugees that are fleeing their country. And um, the number one need that they have right now is not food and water. It is safety and it's medical aid because the hospitals, the besieged hospitals don't have the supplies that they need. A tourniquet will save lives or they have this special blood clotting compound if you get shot that will help cauterize and save your life. So these, these vital medical supplies, they are not out there. They don't exist. So we're, we're raising the money. We're taking private jet. We're going to bring it over there. You're going to actually buy the supplies, bring it over there. I'm bringing them personally myself with about a dozen entrepreneurs. And normally I just write a check, right? I don't get involved like that. And that feels good. But this one is personal. This one. Yeah, this means something to you. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm just honoring that, that yeah. feeling in my heart that, so if you do see the link and you have a chance to give, know that I'll be, the way my foundation works is I started originally just so that I could gift my money. Cause that's my, my whole motivation to be, you know, billionaire a hundred times over is just to give. I yeah. love the game of redistributing wealth on my terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at once upon a time, I want to get into politics. I'm like, that's a game I don't want to touch. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference my way. And, and, and it's not my way. It's our way. Cause we all work together on these projects. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's amazing. And you are Chris touching lives in such a massive way and having such an influence. So thank you for all that you do yeah. in the real estate community and outside of it, especially with this cause guys, please go to the link donate whatever you can It all every little bit is going to matter and help and save lives i'm bringing my camera crew at my expense just to document it and show it and then share it with the world because that won't be our first mission we're going to go back we're actually we're tackling um child sex slavery right now there's Mm -hmm. the traffic rings have sprung up at the border big time so we're working with one foundation there we are doing the medical supplies we're helping orphanages you know i just i just can't imagine what it would be like this is the largest humanitarian crisis since the second world war and imperialism somehow reared its ugly head again, but we have a chance to do something about it. And, um, and we're going to, and we're going to. Yeah. And you can be a part of that. So thank you, Chris. Love the things that you shared today, guys. I hope you really take this to heart. Look at, I think the biggest thing I took Chris was, uh, don't wait, right? Like no. get in now. Yes. Don't worry about some of these things that are happening because there's ways now to just manage some of these things like interest rates or whatever it is. Yes. Now is the time to do this and really make a difference and change your life like you have done. And so thank you guys. If you haven't be sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll see you on the next video.